0: Um, So here we are in 2021. Um, There's nobody that is too sad to see 2020 go. Uh, What a year that we didn't expect to happen. Uh, This coronavirus came onto the scene and it just radically changed everything. New Year is a time to look back and learn uh, from what has happened before and to look forward To how you can do things better especially with with your vision being the kingdom of god and when a pastor prepares a new year's message he he wants to be able to look back and so i'm going to go way back this morning i'm not going to worry about 2020 uh, in order to prepare for 2021 i want to go way back to the exodus Uh, and we can learn some things that are really critical uh, about the exodus Uh, or from the Exodus, that will help us in 2021, especially with the discussion that we've had in our church um, about the possibility of merging with Redeeming Grace Fellowship. And so I want to give this to you this morning as a sharpening of our vision uh, to help us better understand how we can move forward, what some of our hard attitudes need to be, what God might have in store for us, because obviously when you look back at least to 2020, What God had in store for our nation and for the globe was not what we expected. And with that in mind, listen to these couple of verses that are found later on in the story of Exodus. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. And there's a profound truth in this little section of scripture. that you never know why God's taking you one way instead of another. Um, And in this particular instance, he didn't want them to get discouraged. And we have a bad habit of thinking that if everything is going smooth, then this must be the Lord's will. And if it's difficult, it must not be the Lord's will. But God leads us down difficult paths that are very much his will. Just read the Old Testament. It is a brutally honest account of those things that God used to bring people where he needed them to go, and it was not always an easy road. Take a look at the life of Jesus and the apostles in the New Testament. It was not an easy road for any of them. They gave their lives. They were imprisoned. They were beaten. They were tortured. Our Lord Jesus wound up on the cross, and God knows that the things that happen to us discourage us, and he says, I don't want you to be discouraged. But listen what happened, so God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. I don't know how many of you like to go through the desert but um, years ago Kathy and I were moving to Portland, Oregon and we took a trip across country in order to get there and one of the most uh, eye-opening times was when we crossed Death Valley and uh, we were warned before you crossed Death Valley that um, you better make sure your gas tank is filled and. And I had a Volkswagen Beetle and it was air-cooled engine and I said, we're gonna go by in the early morning hours and we're gonna make sure this happened. And so we pulled up to this gas station on the edge of uh, town leading into Death Valley and we filled up with gas. And I kid you not, this guy looked to be about 120. He had a beard down to here and it took him 20 minutes to walk out to the car. (laughs) And he put gas into our car and the town was one of those where it said population 80 and it had it scratched out and written in population 64. It was that crazy. But we filled it up. But nobody likes to go to the desert. It's a, uh, you know you, you, you know that it can bloom when it rains in the desert those few rare times. But God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. And to make matters worse, understand this part of the story. The armies of Egypt were now marching against the nation of Israel and the Red Sea was at their back and they were trapped and this is the way God leads and so already the grumbling and the complaining started God doesn't always take us down an easy road so here's what I want you to learn from this we're going to take four things from the story of the Exodus this morning we want to go where God leads that's a certain thing we don't want to say to God we're not going this way Um, no matter what happens, whether it's the way of the Philistines in war, whether it's the way of happiness and joy that He's let a lot of us enjoy, whether it's the desert road, we need to go where God leads. And so the first thing we find out from the story of Exodus is is that God hears prayers. Uh, This is so profound because um, there are many of us that believe this whole merger possibility that has come upon us is an answer to prayer. Uh, that God heard the cries of his people. And so listen to what happened in Exodus chapter 3 when God was calling Moses. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are pressing them. Uh, We don't know a lot about prayer. I know this much. God has told us to do it. He enjoys hearing us. He wants to have a conversation with us. He wants to have a dialogue with us. And if you wonder what happens to all those prayers that go up there and you think are never answered, I love the way that it's talked about in the book of Revelation when John had this vision of heaven. The Lamb had taken the scroll that nobody else was worthy to take. And we have this picture in the heaven. And when the Lamb had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders that had been before the throne, representing the people of God and the angelic hosts, they fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Your prayers go up to heaven and they linger in the presence of God like incense lingers in the nostrils of somebody That that senses the incense in their presence. Prayers are a good thing. And you need to be a praying people. If you're wondering why God isn't doing things, Jesus said, we don't have because we don't ask. And even though the exodus was a work of God from start to finish, he tells us that the prayers of his people crying out to him had an important part in what was going on. They cried out and they said, Lord, we need you. We are desperately in need of you. And that's why I love that worship song that came on the scene back around 1999, that, Lord, I'm desperate for you. I need you so much. Uh, And I like what Pastor Caleb shared with us at the men's prayer group that met here in the sanctuary on New Year's Day. Um, He said, we get good at the little bits of prayer. And he went on to explain what that means. Um, Pray before a meal. Pray a few words when you get up in the morning and give your day to God. Pray a little bit when you go to bed. and You get in the car and pray that God will bless your trip. And We're good at the little bits of prayer, but there aren't a lot of us that are good at lingering in prayer before God. There aren't a lot of us that are good at waiting for God's answer and, and staying there and worshiping until we hear from God. And it's not a new problem. This uh, Kathy read this to me last night, and it was a profound little thing. Uh, My daughter uh, made us aware of a devotional book that she was using that was written in 1911. And uh, I have the wrong glasses on for this small print. But in the preface of the book, this is written in 1911, once family devotions were general, uh, now they're rare. There are reasons for the change. One reason is that the simplicity of the old family life is gone. It's easy to get all the Numbers of the, it's, it's very difficult to get all the numbers of the family together at any one time during the day. A part of this is due to the leisure now Formerly, uh, less leisure now than formerly. Men must get up early in the morning to catch a train. In the evening, they're distracted by manifold social engagements. Yet the need of spiritual adjustment is ever the same. Rapid transit, the telephone, the telegraph, do not take the place of God. And I might submit to you, television, Uh, the computer, the internet, all that does not take the place of God. And do you take the time to pray? And if you are looking for God's leading and if you're looking for God's presence in your life, they thought it was a distraction back in 1911. And so this woman put together this devotional book. It was a conglomeration of religious leaders of the day so that men and women and families might start their day with a little bit of blessing uh, from the Word of God. Do you pray to your God on a regular basis? Do you lead out to Him? And we need to bathe the ministry of Gateway Church in prayer. We need to bathe the ministry of our families in prayer. We need to let God know that we're crying out to Him and that we need Him. And know this, that of all the things you have to understand about prayer, whether God answers your specific requests or not, is He hears it and it lingers in His presence like incense. And that is the most precious thing that I've ever learned about prayer, is that it lingers in the presence of God and He's concerned about what I think. He's concerned about what I want. He doesn't always give me what I want because He knows better. But it stays with Him and we need to be a praying people. The second thing that I want to talk about from the Exodus this morning that will help us in the year ahead is is that this is a principle that you've heard me preach many, many times since I came here 22 years ago. God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And the story of the Exodus is all about that. You may be thinking that in order to solve the problems of Gateway Church, we need to have something extraordinary happen, some extraordinary person with the greatest of gifts. We announced back in June that the leadership team was going to be taking a look at the issue of pastoral transition, that it was time to to maybe uh, let Pastor Paul fade into the distance and let somebody younger come along and, and take over the reins of the pastor. And as soon as you start to do that, you start to imagine in your mind what you want that person to be like. You want him to be the greatest preacher you've ever heard. You want him to be a people person. You want him to, have, to be young and to have a family. You want, them to, uh, you want them to have all these gifts and all these abilities, and you want them to be dynamic and winsome. And those are all good things but how many people when we first started to talk about pastoral transition said I'd like a man that's full of the Spirit of God I would like a man that is humble I would like a man that is spiritually gifted I want a man that is a man of integrity a man that will not fall by the wayside like so many of our pastors and ministers have over the last 30 to 40 years I want a man that will stand and preach the Word of God Even if it has a hard edge at times, because it's the prophetic prophetic voice of our word. God will use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And how many of you conceivably thought that maybe we'll look for somebody ordinary that has the anointing of God's Spirit upon them? Uh, When I first graduated from seminary, I did what a lot of young people did, is I took my diplomas and I'd seen them in the doctor's office, so I figured that looks pretty good, and I framed them and I hung them up on the wall. And then I realized over the next 20 years that nobody cared about those diplomas on the wall. They cared about a lot of other stuff. They cared about what kind of a person I was. They cared about whether I was truly concerned about them. They were concerned about whether I prayed for them. They were concerned about so many other things. I eventually took them down and boxed them up. And they haven't been on my wall for over 20 years. And uh, there's good reason for that. But know this, that God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And here's how we learn this from the, book of, or from the story of the Exodus. In Exodus chapter 3, God is going to call Moses to be his person. And like so many people before him, God says, So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of uh, Egypt? Uh, It's just like uh, if I were to come to some of you and say, I need you to do this in the church, or I need you to do that, and say, ah, you know, that's really not my gift, or I really don't have time, or I don't have that. People in the Scriptures are always telling God they don't have time or they're not capable. Remember Gideon? God said, I need you now. And Gideon said, but, you know, I'm just not, why don't you go to somebody in the tribe of Judah or Ephraim, somebody that really has a name for themselves, and somebody who's good. God says, I want you. And so God came to Moses and said, I'll take you. And then after Moses agreed to go, he says, well, you know, I don't speak very well. Could you send somebody along to speak for me? And God said, all right, well, I'll send Aaron. But we're always making excuses for what we can't do. But God will use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And here's what he says in Exodus 3, verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And the beautiful thing about this story of the Exodus is, is Moses, you will know that I have been with you when you do not stand alone here at Mount Horeb worshipping me, but the nation of Israel is with you and they're all worshipping you together. There was a, uh, one of my uh, favorite ministries of all time as I have grown up has been Jack Wertzen in Word of Life Ministries. Great camp. Great radio ministry through the years, a real man for God. And they eventually wrote a biography uh, about his life, and it was called The House That Jack Built, Jack Wurtson. And if though you ever got the uh, title, it was interesting because on the, the cover of the book, the word Jack was crossed out, and somebody wrote underneath of it in bold letters, The House That God Built. Because Jack Wurtson was a man that trusted in God. And he was a man that desired to do anything. If you ever heard uh, some of the great ministers of, of the day preach, they weren't great preachers. Head of Teen Challenge and head of other things. They just are people filled with the Spirit of God. And wouldn't it be something if we could get to the end of 2021 and say that the number one thing that I have sensed more than anything else is that God was with us. And I'm not alone anymore because there's many others that are worshiping with me at the end of the year. That will be the sign to you. What a privilege. God will use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And God will be with you. And in the New Testament, we have His Spirit given to us, poured out upon us in His church. And one of the things that you need to seek more than anything else is the filling of His Spirit. You need to seek it as a parent. You need to seek it as a grandparent. You need to seek it as a person sitting in the pew or seat of a church. You need to you need to seek the filling of God's Spirit. And others will worship with you. The next thing that you need to understand is is that even though the road may be tough and you may be walking through the desert right now, the goal is always the promised land. And in verse 8 he says, So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that right now belongs to other people. And you may think, How on earth are we ever going to be able to get that land? Take a look at America, and you think it belongs to everybody else. It belongs to Hollywood. It belongs to Nashville. It belongs to Wall Street. It belongs to the politicians. It belongs to everybody but you. But God has said that the meek will inherit the earth. And uh, the beautiful thing about it is is that when he gives it to us, he's going to make it all new, and he's going to make it all different. But God has come down to rescue them. The destination is the promised land. So you may be in the desert. We may head into this next year and we will make decisions that we believe are God's will and we may find ourselves in the desert. Don't immediately start to ask yourself this question. Maybe this is not the Lord's will. That was the way the disciple, or some of the disciples started to act when the Apostle Paul went and preached to the Gentiles the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was a hard road for him. And it was fraught with danger at every turn. And as a matter of fact, he would later declare that those dangers and those problems and those struggles were the true mark of my discipleship and my apostleship. God's going to rescue us and he's going to take us to the promised land, but we may have to walk through the desert to get there. The nation of Israel wandered for 40 years in the desert because of their rebellion, because there weren't people like Joshua and Caleb that we're able to say our God is able to get us where we need to be. And we need to be a group of people that believe that God can take us to the promised land. God can give us the gift of eternal life. God can give us what we need to get to where we're going to go. We have a destination. It's eternal life. We have a destination, the promised land. And then finally, as many of us want an easy road, God hasn't promised it to us. The road may be fraught with difficulty, the road may be fraught with um, bizarre events and occurrences, but it's going to lead us where God wants us to go. And so just to remind you of these verses we started the message with this morning. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road to the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they face war they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Um, I love maps, and I love maps that tell me where I need to go, and Kathy will tell you that um, through the course of our um, years together that there have been many, many, many nights that I have fallen asleep in bed with maps on my lap. Studying for a vacation, figuring out where to go before the days of GPS, you had to figure it all out before you went you carried the maps. I remember how desperate we were when we went down to West Virginia a couple of years ago to hike one of the high points and we got into a little notch where the cell phone cut out and so I said that's alright we'll put the GPS in so I got the GPS out we were in the shadow of the mountain and couldn't get the GPS and there I was with no map nothing and so we just had to drive until we got some coverage and it's a weird feeling but maps tell us where we need to go and, and maps help us to know that sometimes it's not always an easy thing. And one of the common trips we will take is we'll go down to visit Kathy's family in the Harrisburg area, and then we'll go up and visit our daughter, Laura, in Albany. And the thing about going from Harrisburg to Albany is is there's no straight road up there. They didn't decide to make it yet, and you have to go like this in order to get there. You have to decide to swing over by New York City and up the Hudson, or you have to go over the other way up by Scranton and get there. But the map will tell you how to go, and it's not always easy. It's always just, if there only was a straight road, we could knock an hour off this trip. And we're always trying to knock an hour off. We're always looking for the easy way. We're always trying to figure out how to get there. And now that we've got cell phones with navigation on them that are um, being fed information about traffic, we are just so addicted to getting there on time and getting there fast. We don't know how to get anywhere anymore um, by ourselves. So who knows where God's going to take us in the next year? He threw the pandemic at us this year. He threw political unrest at us. He threw social unrest at us. What are you going to do to get through 2021? How are you going to get to where God wants you to go? We know what God has promised. Are you willing to go anywhere he leads in order to get there? So here's the tools I want to leave you with uh, at the beginning of 2021. I want you to be able to with me, go anywhere God leads you. I, as a church, I want to go anywhere God leads us. Know this that God hears prayers, they linger in His presence. And I want you to be a people of prayer. I want you to be praying for your family. I want you to be praying for our church. I want you to be praying for our nation. I want you to be praying for the global nation that is around us. The people that are suffering because of their persecution of the church of Jesus Christ in all of the lands know this, that God wants to use you. You may think you're just ordinary. You may think that you're finished and done with. Abraham was in his 80s when God called him to be the father of a nation. Moses, by this time, was aging quickly, and he was in his 60s. And we need to be a people that are willing to admit that God can use any of us, any time, because he's with us. God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And God needs to use you in the year ahead to do his business and His things that He wants to accomplish. The destination is where we have to keep our eyes on it. I like the way that the writer of Hebrews puts it. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despised its shame, and now has sat down at the right hand of the Father. That's how we need to run the race with endurance that's been set before us. We need to not be embracing sin and grabbing at sinful things around us, hoping that they'll get us a little bit of ease for the next day. But we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And we need to head to the promised land. Because here's something, what are you gonna offer the world around you? Wouldn't it be something if we could offer them the promised land? This gift of eternal life. If people could say to us, what do you have to give? And you could say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, I give you the good news that you can have eternal life in Him. That's what the apostles gave the lame beggar that went dancing through the temple courts. The destination is the promised land. And then finally, it's not necessarily going to be an easy path. Don't do what the Israelites did and at every turn they grumbled and complained. The first place they grumbled against was they grumbled against Moses because he was the leader and he was the one that took them there. And they thought it was all his fault. Don't grumble against your leaders. They're well intended. There's been too much grumbling against the political leaders in our nation. Uh, Even though I have sharp disagreements with many people in leadership, I believe with all my heart that most of them are well-intended. And you need to be praying for them. God's commanded us to pray for them. God's told us that that is the heart, that the result would be a peaceful generation that would allow the gospel to go forth. Don't long for persecution. Don't long for those things. But the Apostle Paul said, pray that there might be peace in the land so that the gospel could go forth. And then, when the path gets difficult, don't complain. Don't shake your fist at God and say, God, how could you? Remember that God, there's a reason why He didn't take you by the way of the Philistines and take you into war right away. And He's taking you through the desert. He wants to save you from something, somehow, some way, but it's in order to get you to the promised land. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your table this morning, may we realize that Jesus has blazed a trail for us. And he said, this is the way I want you to come. I want you to come through the cross to eternal life. And Father, for those that are gathered here this morning, I pray that we would be a people of prayer. A people used of God because you are with us. A people that are longing to be in the promised land and are not letting the stuff of earth distract us from the path that we're walking down. And I pray, Father, that though the path might be difficult, that we wouldn't grumble and complain, but that we would embrace it as the road to eternal life. And Father, I ask that your blessing would be on our table this morning. May we remember Jesus, who was this author and perfecter of faith, who did it all for us,